0: This afternoon, I proclaim to you the word as we confess that in Lord's Day 47 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 47. And there we confess the following. What is the first petition of the Lord's Prayer then? Hallowed be your name. That is, grant us first of all that we might We may rightly know you and sanctify, glorify, and praise you in all your works in which shine forth your almighty power, wisdom, goodness, righteousness, mercy, and truth. Grant us also that we may so direct our whole life, our thoughts, words, and actions that your name is not blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. So far, our confession. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, and that includes you, boys and girls, you belong to the Lord. What do you think the most important thing should be when you, what do you think the most important thing you should, you should ask for when you approach God in prayer? Good health, blessing on your work, a job if you don't have one, Or that God would help you with school once that starts again this week. Or that, or maybe further afield that he helps people in suffering in war zones. You see that on the news, those people um, are also suffering there. And you see all kinds of things to pray for and, and all important things certainly but notice that the Lord Jesus taught us to pray before anything else. Notice that he puts the honoring of God's name first as the, the first thing to ask for in prayer. First and foremost, that God receives the praise and the glory he has a right to from us. Hallowed be your name. He puts that petition on our lips and that means help us hold up your name as special, as awesome you see in the Lord's Prayer our Savior brought everything together and taught us how to ask for all that we need for body and soul that's how Lord's Day 45 put it in answer 118 that we are to pray for all that we need for body and soul as then contained in the prayer which Christ himself taught us. So this is, here he's teaching us to pray for everything we need for body and soul. And the very top of the list of our needs for body and soul is that we hallow God's name. And that means, as we confess, Lord's Day 47, grant us, first of all, that we may rightly know you, sanctify glorify and praise you in all your works. That's our biggest need. We need that prayer. That's our biggest need to, we think maybe health, work, strength, to deal with difficulties and so on, but God and his glory in our lives is our number one need. And so I proclaim the gospel to you this afternoon as we confess it in Lord's Day 47 with this theme. Christ taught us to pray that we glorify God with our whole life. Christ taught us to pray that we may glorify God with our whole life. The Lord's Prayer congregation is often described as the the perfect prayer because it was taught, of course, by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The Son of God. What he did when he was here on earth, he did perfectly. So also when he taught his disciples to pray. Perfect, perfect instruction on how to pray. He knows exactly what we need to pray to the Father in heaven. What we need to ask from him. And he ordered the prayer that he taught us into six petitions. And he taught them in exactly the right order with the honoring of God's name, first then, as we mentioned. So the Lord Jesus formulated this prayer very carefully. And you see that also in the fact that there is a close connection of this prayer with the law of God, the Ten Commandments. There's a clear connection between the law from God the Father and the prayer to God the Father the first part of the law is about honoring God above all. He's central to the first part of the law. The first part of the law about loving God. No other gods besides Him. No graven images of Him. No human representations of Him. No misuse of His name. Keeping His day. God is first in the Ten Commandments. The first part of the law is about loving Him. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ used the same pattern when he taught his disciples the Lord's Prayer. God first. Our needs in relation to God first of all. That we hallow his name. That we live for his coming kingdom. That his will be done by us. You see, in the construction of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus actually followed the structure of his Father's commandments. And of course, you know, if you think about that with the structure, then you realize that the Lord Jesus is teaching us here too that we ought to think about the structure of our prayers. Not that prayers always have to consist of nicely constructed petitions or so. God will also know how to respond to a prayer that is just stuttered out in time of extreme trouble, or shouted out or even just said in your heart. After all, He knows what we need even before we ask. But our our Savior does teach us in the Lord's Prayer that God's glory needs to be foremost in prayer. That we don't just come to God with a whole wish list of things pertaining to ourselves, what's bothering me, my troubles, my pains, my feelings, my wants. But that God's cause comes first. Because it's ultimately all about Him. His glory. Okay, so much about the structure of the Lord's Prayer. Now about the first petition, hallowed be your name. What does it actually mean to hallow God's name? And Lord's Day 47 explains that it essentially means sanctifying Lifting up, setting apart from everything, sanctifying, glorifying, and praising God in all his works. Because of who he is and what he has done and what he still does. It means praising God in prayer and song above all. Also in song. The songs here in the worship services aren't here as a kind of a filler for the worship service to extend it a bit. And they're not here for our entertainment. No, the Apostle Paul speaks in Colossians 3 about teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And that means glorifying God in worship together in song. And we don't only have to restrict that singing to the worship services, you realize. God is glorified when we sing songs to Him wherever we are. Or when we listen to spiritual songs at home or in the car. There's so much ungodly music coming out of speakers today. If you listen to some of the lyrics, you'd be taken aback. What is this saying? So, Think about that. It'd be good to know and listen to psalms and spiritual music more that, that glorifies God more. But glorifying God also is also involved in discussing God's great works at home, around the table, or, or in the Bible study societies, which will start again this month, or when we talk at work, that our conversation is filled with grace, seasoned with salt, as the Apostle Paul writes in Colossians 4. That means that you exude God's grace in your speech. Like the high school girl in the United States who sadly was recently suspended for saying bless you to another student at school. But, but just in your, your daily conversation, show that you have that respect for God. That's sanctifying you, holding his name high. That, that actually he is what your life is about. A clear example in the Bible of how much that means to God. How much he, he desires that from us. We read about Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites were complaining again. They were thirsty, had no water, said they would have been better off if they had a state in Egypt. There was more food to eat there and water to drink. And the Lord God then told Moses and Aaron to speak to that rock that was there and he, he would give water from it. And what did Moses do? He didn't speak to the rock with grace as the Lord had commanded him to do. No, he said, he said there standing by the rock, must we bring you water out of this rock? And then he, he struck that rock twice in anger, we could say, in frustration. The result of that was that the Lord was angry with Moses and Aaron and they wouldn't be allowed to enter the promised land. That was a pretty heavy punishment for those men who had led the the people of Israel out of Egypt and towards the promised land for so many years through the wilderness. But God had been seriously offended by them. He said, Numbers 20, verse 12, because you did not believe me to hallow me, in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. So in their anger, Moses and Aaron had not shown great respect and reverence for God. They knew him so well. They had seen all his great deeds. For instance, at the Red Sea, Moses Walked ahead through the the sea. They had stood at the foot of Mount Sinai when God had shaken the mountain and spoken to the people. But in their anger, they had not honored him at that time. They did as if they were the ones to give the water to the people. At that rock, out of that rock, they acted in unbelief, says the Lord. They didn't glorify Him before the people as He had the right to be glorified by them, especially by their leaders. The leaders He had appointed over them. So the the thing is here, congregation, God takes the honoring of His name seriously. He has every possible right to our praise in words that we publicly profess our faith in Him as our sister is going to do here this afternoon, but also that, that profession becomes a way of life for us. For we see in Lord's Day 47 that the hallowing of God's name has to do with our whole life. Grant that we may so direct our whole life, our thoughts, words, and actions, that your name is not blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. So not only honor God with thoughts and words, but especially in how you live as a a child of God. He wants to be seen in our lives. He wants you to reflect something of His holiness in how you act and react. That's a big spiritual need for us, right? That's a need for us that we keep that up. That we remember that, that God needs to receive in us the praise that He has a right to as our God and Father in Jesus Christ. That's why He created us in the first place. In fact, this is what we hope to do to eternity. Glorify God. All the other petitions involve petitions that don't concern eternal things, really. Maybe the kingdom, but in actual fact, it's about the kingdom here. In the life to come, we won't be expecting God's kingdom to come or we won't be requiring the forgiveness of our sins or protection from the evil one anymore, but the glorification of God will still be going on. It'll be still something that we we do in eternity. However, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, in order to glorify God, we have to know who He is and what he has done, especially in Christ his Son. And that's why the explanation of the first petition in Lord's Day 47 begins, grant us, first of all, that we may rightly know you. And that's our our biggest need then in life, to know God rightly. But you might wonder, is there really that much need to pray for him, to know him rightly, as we're all Christians here in church. We've all read and heard so much about God, haven't we? the Bible most of us have professed our faith in him right so we know God we know God well maybe maybe you know a lot about God from the Bible and maybe you're confident that what's taught in this church about him the confessions here is the right knowledge of God ordered and gathered from the Bible over time but it could be that you know a lot about God and about Jesus Christ, His Son, and the Spirit who proceeds from them both and all the doctrines of Holy Scripture, but in the meantime, that triune God is still distant from your heart. That your knowledge of God is all theological construction, but you don't know Him as your personal God and Father in Christ through the Spirit. You see, then the Bible speaks of knowing God. When the Bible speaks of knowing God, it doesn't only mean head knowledge, but above all, your heart knowledge. Knowing God personally as your God, knowing Him in the sense of having a real living relationship with Him, that when you are somewhere, you know He is there. And He's a real presence in your life, as your strength and your song as someone who is close to you and always and everywhere, wherever you are, who you experience, whose care you experience from day to day. So knowing Him rightly doesn't only mean knowing all the right doctrines, but it means knowing Him as your loving and merciful Father in heaven through Jesus Christ who has promised to provide you with all good and avert all evil or turn it to your benefit as was stated at your baptism. That's implied in Lord's Day 47 when it says there that we ask that we can glorify God in all his works, all, in everything that happens to you in this life. I don't think we'd have a lot of difficulty praising God when things are going really good for us, right? Praise God for all the good things he graciously sends our way the time he gives us here that we can enjoy vacation time to. We have no complaints then. Thank you, Lord. We're healthy, we have income, house to live in, family, good friends, reason to count all our blessings and to glorify God for them. What if it all goes radically different for us, brothers and sisters, boys and girls? if you have every reason to complain about your life, your, your circumstances. Think of Job in the section we read from Job 1. Job had to deal with one disaster after another. What if you, had a, you felt a sudden pain somewhere, and, and you were told you, you, you have cancer, and you have so long to live? What if you lost your job and your income? And you wonder what you're going to live from next week, next month. What if you have a child who goes his or her own way, no interest in God, in God or church? And you struggle with that. Or marriage with all kinds of tensions. Or if you're plagued by guilt feelings because of that one evil thing in your life that you've asked God so often to take away from you, but which doesn't go away what then what do you do then with all those nice words about god in lord's day 47 his wisdom goodness righteousness mercy and truth that you glorify him for those things what what can you do with all that if you don't see any of that in your life or hardly any how can you sanctify glorify and praise god then But also then, your Father in Christ wants you to praise and glorify Him. And He all has a right to that from you then too. Also when your life is in disaster mode. When the waves crash over you, billows crash over you, as the psalm says. So, also then. He wants you to trust His goodness and wisdom and righteousness, to honor and praise Him for those things. And you realize then how how difficult it can be to, to glorify God then. And how much you actually need to learn to pray, help me to trust you and to hallow your name, in the good days, but also in the bad. Help me, Lord, also, also in the bad, but also in the good days, because then I so easily presume on your goodness. But also in the bad days, for when your goodness and mercy aren't so obvious to me, or not I can't see them at all, I easily become angry and rebellious against you, frustrated with you. Congregation, I mentioned Job. He, he was a blameless and upright man. You can read that at the beginning of Job 1. No one as blameless and upright as my servant Job, God said. Well, no wonder, Satan said. You made everything go well for him. You blessed him. It's no, no biggie to be so blameless and God, godly then, to praise God then. But if you took away those things that you gave him, if you, you took them away now. What then? Would he be so upright to praise you then, God? Satan said, he'll curse you to your face. And then God said, okay, let's see if that's the case. And I give him over to you. And then God gave Satan permission to take away those good things that Job enjoyed. But you know know how it goes. What a defeat that was for Satan. Job continued to trust his God and to praise him, even though he didn't understand what was going on, even though he couldn't see his goodness and mercy anymore. He knew God was glorious. He believed that, and he, he kept praising him. He said, The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And you can be sure that it was a huge struggle for Job to get those words out, out of his mouth. But he did. Later on in the book of Job, you see him sometimes getting pretty upset with God, too. His heart fought with his feelings, but he continued to hold on to his faith in God as true and good and righteous. He did not curse God, but he continued to revere and to praise him. In faith, he could say to his wife, shall we accept good from God and not adversity? See, congregation, that's praising God in all his works. Also the ones that are not so pleasant to us. Not only in good days, also in bad, when God brings trials in your life. And it's not easy. It's not easy to say what Job said when you suddenly become widowed, or when you're told you have cancer, or when you discover the child you anticipated with such joy is handicapped. Not easy. To accept those kinds of trials from God and to hold on to that promise that in everything he works for the good of those who love him and that he's righteous in this. Not easy. You need to pray for the strength to be able to do that. To accept that and to continue in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior. To trust that he is good and upright to all who love him Continue in that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you say, because he fulfilled that that first petition completely. He hallowed God's name in everything to the very end, to the complete God-forsakenness on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He held on to his God. And congregation hallowed his name. Well, he can give you the strength to keep praying this petition over and over too, no matter what. Father, let me hallow your name to keep praising you, even when I'm in such despair. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee, no matter what. And that's what it's about, that God is sanctified, glorified, and praised in your whole life. When things are so good, also when they're not, and when you're confined to bed. We confess in Lord's Day 47 that this petition means, grant that we may so direct our whole life, our thoughts, words, and actions, that your name is not blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. In other words, with this petition, he teaches us to ask for the strength so that our whole life may be aimed at God's honor and glory in all the things we do and don't do. And then not just to impress the others around us, because then it can just become a show for others. No, simply because we respect and love Him from our hearts. He has a right to my praise. After all, you carry the name of God on your forehead, congregation. God has joined his name to you at your baptism, your, his triune name. And now he wants you to let that name come out in your life. And so now he watches to see what you're going to do with that name you bear to see whether that name is glorified in your life. We think it's awful when people blaspheme God's name, even mock God today. But Lord's Day 47 says that God's name can also be blasphemed because of us. That that our way of life can be such that God's name is belittled and besmirched by others around us or by Satan and his host that Satan laughs and says to God, you see those people, they have your name on their foreheads, and look at what they're doing. Think about it, congregation. We should be letters of recommendation for the good name of our Heavenly Father. Others should be able to read how good and great and worthy of Honor God's name is in our whole manner of, of living, talking. Are you a living letter of Christ? The world around us looks closely and they notice pretty quickly if your faith is real or if it's just a pious front, something on the outside. Satan looks carefully and he rubs his hands when our life doesn't match our faith and our profession. Congregation, let's, let's learn from the prayer which our Savior taught us how important a life to God's glory is, how important it is for us to keep praying, hallowed be your name. God will certainly hear when we pray that petition from the heart. He will help. He will give insight Because he loves to see his name honored and glorified. And he has the right to have it honored and glorified. And his name will be glorified. Because in Revelation 15, 3 and 4, we read, we're told that John saw all gods elect in a vision. And they were singing the song of Moses and of the Lamb. And they were saying... Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. And these people have been through all kinds of things in their lives. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgments have been manifested. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And that is, as we confess, grant us, first of all, that we may rightly know you and sanctify. Glorify and praise you in all your works in which shine forth your almighty power, wisdom, goodness, righteousness, mercy, and truth. And grant us also that we may so direct our whole life, all our thoughts, words, and actions that your name is not blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. In Christ's name we ask. Amen.